It's been quite a week. It's been uh, quite a month from Paris to San Bernardino, from Syria to Nigeria, from Chad. You may well ask, where in our world is there any peace? From the rush of life to the expectations of work and family, to the disappointments of loss, to the pain of grief and suffering, where can we find rest? People everywhere in our world are longing for and searching for peace. It doesn't matter where you go. Every corner, people want this. They want peace. It even forms the heart of many greetings, many languages. If I were to say to you, Salam Aleikum this morning, the response would be, Aleikum Salam. Arabic, Farsi, Hebrew has that as part of their greeting. Shalom. Peace be unto you, and unto you be peace. Shalom carries a meaning of not just peace, but harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity. Although we wish for such peace, wish it upon others, deep down, it can really seem as though peace is, is a myth. It's a myth written by poets. It's a myth used by advertisers to sell us stuff. And it can be a myth that some people think is said at Christmas time. Peace on earth and goodwill to man is a beautiful sentiment. It's a lofty goal, but can there ever truly be peace? Before Jesus died on the cross, he gathered together his disciples, his closest friends, and he said to them, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Here was Jesus on the verge of being tortured and killed on a cross. And his concern was for his disciples, for their peace, not for his own. They would, in a very short while, would be mourning his loss and would need peace. Their peace was about to be shattered, and yet Jesus spoke of leaving them peace, a peace that is somehow different than what the world offers. How does our world view and give peace? And what is it, how is it different from what, what Jesus left us? But before I, I show you this, I want you to learn a word. It's a Swahili word. It's called Jenga. Say Jenga. Jenga. Some of you know what Jenga is. It's a name that has been lent to a game. And it demonstrates how we often look at peace. That's it. That's Jenga. If you've ever played it, you know how it's played. It starts out complete and whole, and the objective is to keep pulling pieces out of it until it tips over. The last person who pulled that piece that tips it over, they lose. Sometimes that's how we view peace. Peace is seen as something that keeps keep taking from us. We keep losing. And why there's no peace? Well, even squirrels play Jenga. <laughs> Maybe your lack of peace this morning is because of squirrels. Maybe this morning you feel like this. You know, you're just kind of just tipping. You're just kind of hanging on. Some of us, especially during the Christmas season, end up looking like this. We think to ourselves, if one more thing happens, if one more thing is pulled out of my life, if one more weight is put on my shoulders, that's it. I'm going to tumble over. That's how the world looks at peace. The world says, you have to keep putting things in so that you can be stable. 
but it doesn't work. This is where some of us are right now. We're balancing, just holding on. But is this the same as the peace that Jesus talks about? What does he mean when he talks about peace? You know, I am standing here talking to you, but really I'm sitting down where you are because this message is for me. This is a message that God has worked in my life this week. Whenever you preach on something, it seems that God puts you through some things to make it a reality for you. So, how can we find and hold on to the peace that Jesus gives? How can we even begin to share this peace with others? And the question we're going to ask this morning together is, how can you and our church experience peace and then be a sanctuary of peace, the peace of Christ? This is one of the subjects that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there and follow along. Because experiencing peace is the first part we're going to talk about this morning. And it begins with peace in you. How do you have the peace of Christ? What does it mean and how do you have it? Well, in verse 14, in five simple words, Paul says, For he himself, that is Jesus, is our peace. He is the source of personal peace. Peace is not dependent on circumstances. It's not dependent on us or how we feel or who we are. That's counterintuitive. I don't have any peace because that guy cut me off on the street when I was driving. I don't have any peace because, you know, my boss has been unrealistic in his expectations of me. I don't have any peace because, you name it, it's so easy to lose that sense of peace in our world because things are taken away. But Jesus is our peace. Since God does not change and is ever faithful and gracious and is the source of our peace, then our peace never changes. Now that can sound kind of weird. How can my peace not change when I don't feel that I have peace in my life? If we seek to find peace in anything else, anyone else than Jesus, it will disappoint. And in verse 14, this kind of acts as a hinge between verses 1 and 10 and verses 11 and 22. It's kind of the thing that connects the two together. Personal peace and corporate peace. Because corporate peace is what we do in sharing in community. So how do we find this peace? You know, in verses 4 to 7... Paul backtracks and he summarizes all of human history and the sadness of people in their lives. What he writes here in these four verses is the same for every generation and it will be until the end of time. We begin life not in the state of peace but in turmoil. In verses 1 to 3, we see that rebellion, sin, disobedience to what we know is true and right, self-deception, pride, it's all polluted humanity with the result that true, lasting peace is as fleeting as a snowflake. Ever try to hold a snowflake? What happens? It disappears. When we try and hold and keep peace, it can disappear. Because peace is a result of something else. It's a result of Christ in us. Although everyone longs for tranquility and rest, it vanishes in the dashed hopes of realities. But the good news, gospel, God's good news is that through God's love, he has made us alive with Christ in the heavenly places. God's grace has brought peace to you. 
This is a result of belonging and being accepted by God. Now, I'm sure we all long for peace, a little rest, a little quiet, a break from all that's happening in our lives. And the truth is that if we try to produce peace, we can't. It doesn't work. That's the world's solution. The world's solution is let's try and, and get peace. Let's try and do things that cause peace. In reality, peace finds you. Let's say it again. Peace finds you. We don't find peace. It finds you. Peace is searching for you because God at this moment is calling you to receive the peace he offers in Christ. If you've never encountered Jesus or God's peace, today is the day. It's amazing to think that the God who, who spoke the universe into existence, who breathed life into this world, would be so concerned about your life. But he is. That's the marvel of who God is. He loves you more than you can imagine or dare to hope. In Matthew 20, uh, 11, 28 to 30, Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit and heart, and will, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus alone gives us with peace, his peace. Peace is found in him. That's how we find it. It's in him and only in him. God is calling you right now to come to him, to lay down your burdens, whatever takes peace away, selfishness, pride, anger, fear, worry, despair, of all the things in your life that you know are not right, of all the things in your life that you wish you could change. Let these go. Take them in your hand, hold them before God, and let him sweep them away. Let him come and be part of your life. No, let him kind of be your life. That's where peace is found in him. For God tells us that it is by grace that you are saved, not by anything we can do. We can't do anything to save ourselves. It is God's gift, and so is his peace. It is a gift that brings us into a new relationship with him, but also brings us peace with him. So it's time to come and rest in him. This is the beginning of peace and how we can keep this peace and experience it. That's something else. You find it, but how do you keep it? That's the hard part, very often. Keeping peace. Once we have found this peace, how do we hold on to it? This is something that Paul learned and wrote about in Philippians 4, 6-7. A familiar verse, but very powerful. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Living in personal peace is about learning to position yourself to receive his peace. Now, I know I'm alone in this, but uh, occasionally I have sleepless nights. I know all of you, when you put your head in the pillow, you're gone until you wake up. I know I'm alone in this, so I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> a few nights ago, I couldn't sleep. I started all right and woke up in the middle of the night and thought, man, my, my mind is racing. Every thought possible is racing through me. All the concerns that I have to do, the things that I shouldn't do, the things that I'm going to do. And so I tried to make myself sleep. 
Does that work? No. No matter how many sheep I counted, no matter how hard I said, I am going to go to sleep now, it doesn't work. So I got up, put some warm clothes on because it was early in the morning, and I sat with the Lord, opened his word, and I read and had my quiet time, which is normally much later, but I had it earlier, and sat with him. The time went by very fast. I took the peace I didn't have, and I focused on the one who has peace, and I just prayed. So when I finished applying Philippians 4, 6, and went back to bed, what happened? I was asleep right away. God's blessing. God guards our hearts and our minds. Because peace, even peace of mind, is a gift from God and must be received in the way he wants to give it. He wants to give you peace. But it's not in our terms. It's what he wants to do. And he gives us peace when we come to him. Do not be anxious. Give everything to him. Every situation, every concern and worry you have, you give to him. And you seek him. As followers of Christ, wherever you grow anxious, I'll notice that peace has just disappeared. You should pause and ask yourself, why? Why don't I have any peace? You know, there are times in my life when I feel anxious or worried or angry, and I don't know why. I think to myself, you know, the day is going okay, but there's no reason why I should be upset. There's no reason why I should not be in a good mood. Well, the enemy of God does not want us to live in peace. Look at our world. That's one thing he takes away. He tries to take away. He doesn't want us to live in Christ. See, experiencing peace is not just a physical or emotional situation. It's a spiritual situation. And a lack of peace can be like an early warning sign. But God's spirit is saying, hey, you're wandering a bit. I need you to focus on me. I'm going to let you go through a time of no peace to bring you back to me so you'll have peace. It's as simple as sometimes asking for peace, focusing on him. And Paul begins to transition now from peace in you to sharing peace. You know, as we receive peace as a gift, it's a gift that's not just for us. It's a gift for everybody. And in verse 10... He says, for we are God's handiwork, created in in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. One of those good works is to be a mediator of peace. And so Paul moves us from experiencing personal peace to talking about how we share peace together. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm not a peacemaker. Sometimes, you know, I need to have peace made with me. It's easier to keep peace than it is to make peace. In your situations at work, family, you know, God has placed you there sometimes as the peacemaker, as the one to give peace, not just to receive it. And so we see that God calls us to be sharing that peace. And we know that Jesus is the sole source of personal peace. He is the creator of corporate peace in our midst. Our church should reflect peace because it reflects Jesus. As we focus as a group of believers on Jesus, he brings us peace in our midst. And it says in verse 14, as it continues, 
that Jesus in himself has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier to the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. What's he talking about? He's talking about two different communities of Jews and Gentiles. Very, very far apart. But in him, bring them together as one. Being a new humanity. We become a brand new people. This is quite interesting. God's church, as I preached before, is created. We are created as a new people. A brand new people. It's interesting in verse 15 that it says, His purpose, the purpose of Jesus was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. It's one thing to have personal peace in your life, but until you bump up with somebody else who also is trying to have peace, then that's the challenge of how to share that peace, to find a way, and that way is in Jesus. This is something that's done inside of us. It's by submitting to our Savior, by taking upon ourselves his yoke, and becoming increasingly transformed into his likeness, which means that his desires, his goals, his peace becomes ours. He's making us a new people who together are learning how to experience peace one with another. Not only that, in verse 16, there's more. He reconciles us. In one body, he reconciles both of them to God through the cross, through which he put to death the hostility that exists. Jesus breaks down the barriers between us. He removes the walls that separate us, culture, language, preferences, and draws us together. You know, often we we talk about, you know, you are reconciled to God. There is no longer a separation between you and God in Christ, and that is true. We don't often focus enough on the fact that he reconciles us to each other. We are reconciled one to another because of Jesus who brings us peace. Peace that is not produced by our own efforts, but by what he does. It also means we have peace to come to the Father together. In verse 18, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. He's bound us together, and that's the peace we have. So experiencing personal peace and experiencing family peace involves the same thing, resting. Resting in him. Letting God come into the place that we hold dearest inside of our hearts. Resting together as we worship, as we pray, as we serve each other, as we live in unity. And the result of experiencing inner peace, family peace, is that our church becomes a sanctuary for peace, for the reality of peace. When you come in here in the morning, on a Sunday morning, you say, you know, I belong. There's peace here. I can lay aside all the things that uh, my week has poured upon me and I can release them here with brothers and sisters. And Paul describes this, what I'm calling a sanctuary of peace. He describes this in a couple of ways. He says that we belong to God's kingdom. In verse 19, consequently, as a result of all this peace that we have, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. You belong to his kingdom. You are a member, a citizen. You know, in a a very short while, 
our country will receive thousands of Syrian refugees who will begin that process of becoming a citizen, belonging to a different people with all the new experiences that come. And together, as believers, we exist in a long line of past believers. When you read about Abraham, Moses, uh, David, John, Mary, Paul, these are your ancestors in the faith. We are fellow citizens of God's kingdom with them. God has made us one, even across time. But this brings responsibilities. It brings responsibilities of belonging. See, our heritage and our responsibility is the faith that God has given us. And there's a continuum. It's like a thread that is weaved through humanity, and you carry that thread inside of you. You're part of that continuous thread of faith as you received it and as you pass it on and as you live it. And it's carried out in our church. It is a reality that we belong together as a church and from a sanctuary of peace for it not just to exist, but for it to thrive. Paul further describes this, moving a step deeper. Yeah, you're a citizen. You're a member of the kingdom. But more than that, you're a family member. You belong to his household. You belong to him. And he explains this in verses 20, 21, that Christ is our cornerstone. As Christ lays the foundation for church, he is the thing, the one, that we align ourselves with. When you align yourself with Jesus, then everything is straight and true. We're also being fitted, in verse 21, into his church. He has selected and prepared and placed with care and purpose each of us in his temple, and it's not yet finished. Think back to that Jenga game. Think if you're playing the other way around. Instead of pulling pieces out, you're putting pieces in. If that Jenga game represents this church, then God has taken each of you and he's put you in a certain spot that he chose to put you in. There are some empty spots that aren't yet filled because the church is not yet completed yet. There's others who will come and join us. But he's the one who carefully has slotted, fitted each block, each brick, each person, you. Don't ever think that, that you have no purpose or significance in God's kingdom. He's made you for a purpose, a purpose to be realized in this church and in life. Paul also talks about the fact that we are growing in Christ and is the fullness and completeness of God's temple. In verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. We are growing towards that. We are growing towards it together, not just as individuals. And in verse 22, In him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we're to become a dwelling. We're becoming that as God dwells and lives in our midst. That's what being a sanctuary peace means. That's what it means, sharing that peace. So what kind of response do we have? I want to tie this together. I said a lot of stuff, you know, as I always do. Your mind wanders a bit, as mine does when I listen to a message. So I want to kind of tie this together for you. How can we experience inner peace? How can we be a sanctuary of peace? Well, it begins by recognizing something. Recognizing that peace is found only in Jesus. Don't look for it in any other place. 
You may find temporary relief, but it's not going to be long-term. Receive the peace that Jesus gives to you. But to remain with Jesus, that is keeping that peace. And finally, I like this one, we're to release the peace. Release the peace. Now, I did this yesterday morning. When I was going through this message, I was getting anxious about it, and the Lord said to me, well, what did you write? Maybe you should be applying it. So I sat there and said, Lord, I recognize that you're my peace. That's, that's a fact. I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to receive your peace. I'm going to allow you to come and give me peace. So fill me with your peace. And I'm going to spend the whole day just in that state. If I, if I find that, you know, I'm slipping a bit, recognize, receive, remain. And Lord, today, give me the capacity to release that peace as I share with you. So I want to return to the Jenga game. This is how the world views peace. We're all kind of missing parts and our peace is not there. But this is how Jesus, how I view Jesus giving us peace. It's the same game, it's the same peace is missing, but what's the difference? He's got his hands around you. Those of you who've raised children, those of you who have grandparents, uncles, you've all experienced it. When a child is first learning how to walk, what do you do? You may hold their hand at first, but when they're starting to get their own balance, what do you do? You hover around them. You don't actually hold them anymore. You're hovering just in case they fall. Or if somebody uh, uh, you know, has a physical ailment and they can't walk very well and you're, you're a loved one, you're caring for them, what do you do? You, you're kind of there. Just, you're not holding them because they probably say, leave me alone, I can do it myself. <laughs> but you're there in case they need it. That's how I view personal peace with the Lord. He's got his hands around your life. The Jenga game can't fall because his hands are holding it. And by extension, this is how I view our peace as a family. Yeah, he's got his hands around each of us, but he's got his hands around this church. In fact, it's his arms. He's got his arms around Snowden to pour out his peace and his love to each one of us. And sometimes in ways I don't understand, until they'll ever understand, he uses each of us to be the arms that hold each other up. As we stand shoulder to shoulder, some of you need peace, some of you have peace. You share. That's what the Lord does. That's how he makes us a sanctuary. This is a picture of a sanctuary, of people who gather, who need peace. We're all broken, we're all struggling, we're all in various places. But we know that the Lord's arms are around us, holding us, adding to us, building us, strengthening us. You know, if you have no peace today, if you're struggling, then would you allow us, would you give us the permission as your church family to support, to pray, to care for you? You won't be forced. It must be a place to receive. We build or we Jenga peace together as we learn how to live with Jesus moment by moment. Step by step, we walk with Jesus through this life, and he's given us a gift, you, each other. This is the hope we have for what God wants to be as a church. We depend solely on him. We don't depend on ourselves, we depend on him. And looking to Jesus, he becomes 
makes us his sanctuary of peace. If you come in this morning and you, you find, man, I don't have any peace. It's been a good message, thank you, but it's not working for me. Then, after the service, I'm going to be right here. Come and receive the peace that Jesus offers. If you need prayer, come and see me. Let us together share peace. Let us be a people that bring peace and let our church be a place that peace dwells. In God's name. Pray. And may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Be blessed and dismissed. Thank you.